Mystery Podcast. Hi, this is Mystery Podcast, and I'm novelist Sherry Todd Bayshore. Today is another chapter from my 2019 Distinguished Favorites award-winning mystery, Fine Points, Malice, and Payback. Today is Chapter 3. Andrew had fallen asleep on his sofa with his cell phone pressed against his cheek. The repetitive chime woke him with a start at 3 a.m. Yeah, this is Andrew. Coates, this is Mendoza. Brayburn and I are about to go off shift, but we got called by two patrol officers who answered a 911 disturbance at Rock Creek Apartments near the university. You got a fifth victim. Same M.O., but this time she was still breathing. Barely. She's been rushed to the university medical center. Shit. Keep it together, kid. Clarence and I are on our way to the hospital. We'll meet you there. I'll text the captain, too. Andrew was wide awake. His heart raced as if he had sprinted uphill, but his head felt like it was filled with wet cement. Scene change. When Crystals looked around the church basement, everyone else was fast asleep in the shelter. Vance snored quietly on the cot to his left. Arizona was on another cot to his right, breathing deeply but quietly. The woman in Christos' recurring dream seemed familiar, but each time he awoke, details of her image faded. A tall, fine-boned woman knocked on a door in front of him. When he opened the door, he was given an envelope. Inside the envelope were two photographs, one of St. Luther's Church and a second one of a boot print. Christos had recognized the sole pattern as the same as the boots he had received issued by the Air Force for his graduation 26 years before. He lay back on the soft paper covering for his pillow, fairly sure that anything in a dream was not reliable clue for the kid detective's murder investigation. Still, he liked the eager young man and decided to share what he remembered. Scene change. Detective Coates braked abruptly, stopping in the fire lane. He leaped from his vintage Bronco at a run toward the emergency admission sign. Bursting inside, he looked frantically for Detectives Mendoza and Brayburn. His blonde hair stood almost straight up at the back of his head. His shirt was half tucked in, dark circles rimmed deep below his gray-brown eyes. He looked like he needed medical attention. Coates, isn't it? Detective Andrew Coates? The voice behind him sounded familiar, but when he turned, if it hadn't been for her distinctive blue eyes, Andrew would not have recognized Captain Fleming's wife, Suzanne. He'd only seen her in the office twice since joining the Tucson police. She had breezed in both times, stylishly dressed, with hair and makeup. She was a stunner. He was thrown, seeing her in nurse's scrubs, without makeup, and her long-dyed blonde hair was twisted up in a simple bun. He nodded mutely. Are you okay? You really don't look good. Arthur's working you too hard. You... His throat was dry. He swallowed and tried again. You work here. She nodded with a half-smile that immediately reminded him of the Mona Lisa. Have you seen Lucia Mendoza or Clarence Brayburn? They were following an ambulance, and I was supposed to meet them here. Through those doors, second trauma room to the right, Suzanne pointed. Andrew bolted in the direction Suzanne indicated. Shit, Coates, you look worse than your fifth victim. Lucia Mendoza was not with her partner. She had been pacing the hall floor. Clarence is in there, and now that you're here, I'm going home. Detective Mendoza headed for the doors that Andrew had just walked through. 
Behind the curtain that covered the glass door of trauma cubicle, Clarence delivered the blunt news the instant Andrew pushed open the frosted glass of TU-2A. She died three minutes ago. Andrew didn't move. He felt like he wore bricks on his feet, but his legs were limp as rubber. Dr. Lopez came in directly behind Andrew. Here, son, you need to sit down. Pointed to an armless chair in the corner. A nurse removed an oxygen mask and airway tubes from the face of a young woman in the bed before them. Should I cover her face, doctor? Dr. Lopez shook his head. I'll do that. I need to see her for a few minutes first. After tossing out disposable syringes, tape, bandages, and drip bags into specialized trash bins, the nurse left the room. Lifting the lower half of the sheet first, Dr. Lopez checked the young woman's abdomen, shook his head, and replaced the sheet. Then he moved to her head and examined the wound behind her left ear. Do you have her name, Clarence? Detective Rayburn tapped his phone, then scrolled to his notes. Rosa Chavez, 27. According to the landlord, she had just moved into her studio apartment three months ago. The senior detective turned to Andrew. Neighbors were disturbed by a loud crashing sound that came from her apartment around 2 a.m. Then it was quiet. Then neighbors heard groaning about 20 minutes later. The pragmatic doctor looked directly at both officers. My quick preliminary assessment of Rosa Chavez is that she is indeed the fifth victim of the same killer who attacked Carol Huntington and the three other women before her. Andrew was stunned. Shaky, he made himself stand and walked to Rosa Chavez's bedside. Color was already fading from the youthful round face, making her skin resemble Irish porcelain. You need some food, young man, Dr. Lopez looked from Andrew to Clarence. Would you join us? Bine. Detective Brayburn checked his watch. Thanks, Doc, but I'm off duty an hour ago, and I'm going to bed. Andrew came out of his fog. Captain, does he know everything that's happened? Brayburn shrugged. He should. We gave us strict orders after he was left out of the loop with Huntington. Lucia sent him a text just before she called you, and I sent him another after we got here. So far, he hasn't responded, which isn't like him, but my guess is the police chief and the mayor know too, and Fleming's trapped putting out some administration fires. Dr. Lopez pulled the sheet Rosa Chavez, then called his assistant to sign her body out with a formal transfer to the morgue. Let's go, Andrew. The breakfast menu here is really pretty good, and the coffee is above average. Andrew felt drained. He didn't remember taking the elevator to the cafeteria floor nor ordering the waffles and scrambled eggs that appeared in front of him. Down this orange juice first, Dr. Lopez held a glass in front of Andrew's face. Then have some coffee. Fruit sugar is what your body needs, and caffeine is what your brain needs now. Coates emptied the small glass and almost immediately felt himself come to. Thanks, Doc. Orange juice, huh? Dr. Lopez attacked his own plate of waffles. Best upper that nature ever made. He grinned, taking a bite, and filled his mouth. The two men finished their breakfast in silence. Then, just as Dr. Lopez was returning with a coffee refill, his pager tone sounded. Darn, gotta go, son. Rosa's family has arrived at the morgue. He stood and rested a fatherly hand on Andrew's shoulder. I had hoped to spend a few minutes helping you through the shock. That process is important, even though I know you saw some pretty terrific accidents in traffic. Since I need to run, my immediate advice is to call in sick. Take the rest of this day off. Give your mind and your nerves a break. Go to a toy store and buy some Lego. 
or go to a park, play in the sand with some kids. Do something else entirely removed from the last five weeks. With respect and deepening gratitude, Detective Coach watched Dr. Lopez hurry away. Do you mind if I join you? For the second time in less than two hours, Suzanne Fleming's voice came from nowhere from directly behind him. He didn't know why, but he almost felt ambushed. Uh, not at all, he recovered. I'm just working my way through a second coffee, doctor's orders. She sat in the chair Lopez had left only a few minutes before. Simon Lopez is so revered around here. There isn't one staff member who wouldn't throw themselves on top of a bomb to save him. A gold Arizona sunrise spread a soft glow across the upper floor windows of the hospital. Outside the plants and benches in the outer courtyard took on a painted look. Andrew nodded, feeling the warmth of the coffee slide down to his stomach that thankfully had stopped lurching. I heard about Miss Chavez. I'm sure her survival would have made a huge difference to your investigation. Suzanne's voice was low, but it struck Andrew as if she was choosing her words. She took a sip of her coffee from a tall travel mug. Does her death set your investigation back? Coates was tempted to unload, but Suzanne Fleming was his captain's wife, a civilian, and he didn't know her well enough to confide without his revolving panic. It's too soon to tell. We may discover info we didn't have before, or find another bit that was also present at one of the other previous murders. He stopped himself before he said something he couldn't take back. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to pry. Arthur never talks about his work. He has a deep line in the sand behind his personal life. Mrs. Fleming moved a paper napkin to her right. There's homicide and robbery over there. She moved a plastic spoon to her left. And me about here. She waved her mug in the air between the napkin and the spoon. Andrew didn't want Suzanne Fleming to share any more. I've never been able to get Arthur to talk about his work, not even when we were dating. I see the end result of crime and emergency, but must get any details of a case from the Tucson Star like everyone else. I think it's fascinating what you've managed to do so far, taking three cold cases and linking them to the death of that woman pastor, or whatever she was. I saw Miss Chavez's chart and caught Lucia Mendoza before she left. I'm so sorry that this looks like victim number five. Well, nothing's been released to the press yet. So for the sake of my job and this open case, Mrs. Fleming, I need to ask you to keep what you've discovered confidential. Oh, absolutely. I know how Arthur can get about confidentiality. His middle name is secret. Don't worry. All nurses and doctors are taught confidentiality and privacy, along with biology and chemistry. She smiled. Suzanne looked away for a moment, but made no move to leave. I can't reveal the names of patients on any of my shifts, and Arthur won't even hint about his investigations. So what are we to do? Guess we need to find a mutual interest. Maybe rock climbing, pottery, puzzles. Her voice broke suddenly into a high-pitched laugh. Andrew realized the conversation was still continuing in a direction he didn't really want to go. You always worked in the emergency ward? The question was a feeble attempt to distract Mrs. Fleming. She looked surprised by the question. Uh, no. No, I started out in delivery rooms, then switched to OR cases, about the time I met Arthur. But four years ago, I decided I need another change. Emergency is never routine. I work a 12-hour shift, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, every week. Oh, hell, it's almost six. She checked her watch. My morning break is over. I still have five hours to go. She stood, then leaned toward Andrew. 
Don't worry, Detective Coates. I won't tell Arthur that we talked. If he can keep secrets, we can too. So ends the last page of Chapter 3. Thank you again for listening. But I need to leave you at this point, wondering. However, if I've done my job, you'll want to know more. And to know more is easy. Just visit my website, patchworkpublishing.com. Under the tab, Adult Thrillers, just click on the book cover for Fine Points, Malice, and Payback, and you'll be sent directly to Amazon Books, where you may then purchase the book either as a digital copy or a copy in print. When you finish reading the book, if you like it, please leave a reader review on Amazon. Or you can visit my website and send me a direct message. Thank you so much again, and I hope you enjoyed these three chapters enough to be curious and to see how it all ends. Stay tuned for three more chapters that I plan to share next week for another mystery suspense.